this episode, we are joined by Dr. Gilly Goffel, academic, historian, feminist, socialist, and member of the Urban Kibbutz in Bet Shemesh, Tammuz. Thanks for joining me, Gilly. Shalom. How are you? I'm good. I'm really good. Thank you. How are you? I'm very good. And, you know, it's May Day, and though the last election were not so good to workers in Israel, I think it's uh, important to celebrate. Have you got plans? Are you doing anything this week to celebrate May Day? I was celebrating until very, very late last night. <laughs> there was a very interesting meeting in Haifa of the uh, union that I'm part of. There was worker songs and some uh, worker union, unionists that uh, talked about the struggles and there's very interesting struggles, struggles in Israel right now. There was uh, some uh, member union that talked about the struggles uh, this year and the, the, in the year to come. The, I think most important is something that's called Chasut Noir, which are uh, houses to use that can't live at home because those travels at home or they're disconnected and so on and so forth. And they are quietly closing all those homes. And nobody knows about it because they're not talking about it. Are there homes for young people that are from broken families? Girls that are, you know, they, they could be, be uh, part of the sex industry if they're not uh, taking care of, and they're closing. And they're homes that have been run and funded by the government? Yeah, through uh, outside the companies or all kind of stuff. But yeah, the government, it was partly by the government and they are closing it one by one. Yeah, yeah. Yesterday, the very young woman, very young, she was 29, that talked in in the meeting, in the, you know, celebration of the May Day, she was a girl in one of those houses, and now she's a guide in this house. So it's a huge success. And... The government says there's no successes in those houses. And is there a fight going on to try and keep them to be yeah, open? Yeah, 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 yeah. How many are there? Is it not just in Haifa, is it all over the country? I don't know how many. I don't know how many, okay? But there's a lot of young people, like teenagers, that needed that needs those homes for all kinds of reasons. It's broken home and it's abuse and all kinds of reasons. Yeah. And, I, and it's so sad and it's not logical, even if you're not, you know, lefty or socialist. It's not logical to close homes for use that need it, that needs something, someone, somewhere to put their hands down to sleep, to eat, and someone to talk to, someone that, that protected them. Through the struggle, I had some girls that said, it's the first time that I was important to someone when I got to this home and asked me what about, what, what I feel and where did I went and so on. 
when where did I go? And these houses have existed for a long time? Yeah, yeah, a very long time. A very long time, and the woman from yesterday, I can't remember her name just right now, but she says in the, the house that she's working in, the manager of the house is working more than 10 years. The, the same manager. And you know that in Israel, managers are quitting their job and moving from job to job uh, every two or three years. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but there was uh, some uh, successes as well that we talked yesterday. Uh, mostly of the Museum of Haifa, which the local uh, election was good to them because now uh, they're talking about... Did you say the local elections were good? For them, for just for the Museum of Haifa, I don't know. And for me as well, which I was very the, the local election in uh, the city election. In, in Bichemish, it was very, very successful. We have a new mayor, which is not from the left, but she... She's a woman, first start. She's a woman. She's... The managing of the city is very important to her. She's listening, she's doing things, even small things, like, you know, painting the pavement in a red and... Uh, in white, in order to, that people won't uh, stay in places to park in. No. Okay, let's, Gilly, let's change gear. Yeah, okay. I mentioned earlier that you're from Kibbutz Tammuz, yeah. uh, an urban kibbutz. Can you tell us yeah. a little bit about Tammuz? Yeah. Tammuz is an urban kibbutz in Bichemish, and if if you don't know, you know, but Bichemish is a city, a fairly large city, very near Jerusalem, proximity of Jerusalem. Tammuz is an, uh, it's a kibbutz within the city. We are living in the city. All our sellers are going to one bank account. Most of our spending are from this bank account. Housing, um, transportation, health, education, so on and so forth. It's from common uh, money. And then every uh, um, family has a very uh, small amount of money just for the day-to-day uh, uh, managing of the, of the house. A budget, a family budget. Yes, that's the word that I was... We are a community that lives together. We celebrate the, the holidays together. We celebrate occasion together. Like uh, this Friday, we will have a mitzvah in the kibbutz of the one of the girls. About mitzvah, did you say? Yeah, but mitzvah. So we celebrate it together in our fashion. It's not a synagogue, but we are. We have our interpretation of the Jewish culture. It's good for our way of life. Tammuz is more than 30 years old, 30 years in Bechemish. It's not like a young kibbutz, you know, two years that some 20 years old people said, oh, we will live together. No. I'm 51, and this is the approximate age of the people from 45 to 61, I think, something like that. And there's a lot of children. Um, most of the 
families have, have three children, some four, and we are living together. And it's a stable thing. It's not like uh, 60s Comuna. It's a way of living. And we are living in Bechemish, which is a very interesting city of its own. We have uh, religious people and ultra-religious people and all kinds of people in the, in the city. In this, sometimes there's a problem with you specifically chose to be in Bet Shemesh because of that, no? It was a challenging place. And then if I'm not mistaken, you made a choice again whether to stay or whether to leave in recent years once it had become a very, very religious city. You chose again to stay. Let's hope, inshallah. Inshallah. Let's move on to the main topic of our conversation, okay. the welfare state. Yeah. Let's get everyone on the same page. Uh, what's the idea behind the welfare state? So um, I think the welfare state, it's, I think it's one of the most interesting topics when you talk about left and when you talk about economic gaps between rich and poor. Because it, before I say what it is, I have to say it was something, that maybe the only things in the modern time that... Uh, make the gaps between the the poor and the rich smaller. A mechanism toward equality. You know, not equality, but a little bit more equality. Uh, this is why, why I think it's a very important uh, subject. And what it is, it's the peculiar idea that the state is responsible to the citizens and the people that are living in it, not just the citizens. And w- what do I mean when I say responsible? Is, uh, it, it can be just, you know, very, very low uh, standards, like uh, security, maybe roads. But if you're talking about the welfare state, it's the idea that the state is, is responsible for the education of the, uh, the citizens, and the children, and so on, the health of everybody that is in the state, and the welfare in the mean of if someone is falling down towards unemployment, so on, so, uh, is responsible to old people, to young people, to childcare, to the, those kind of When you're talking about welfare states, it's something that we... And to forget, and when I'm saying we, I'm not including people that are living in the United States, that uh, uh, free health care, it's something very new. You know, just something like less than 100 years for most of the people. I remember as a child, I didn't think that you, you, you could pay the doctor or you, logical to pay for pills and, and uh, medicines. But that wasn't an option. That, wasn't, that didn't exist in Israel at that time. No. Nobody, no, not nobody. There was, uh, always there was a very, very narrow amount of people that went to private doctors, but it was peculiar, very rare, and just in, you know, Tel Aviv or something like that, or Savion. But not, nothing that I was that I heard about even until I was older. 
I couldn't understand, you know, uh, the, the, um, a test of uh, Colbert, uh, the um, level of uh, morality in Colbert. Uh, it's about uh, a man that had to buy very expensive medicine to her, his wife. Maybe you know that. But I didn't understand what, what do you mean to buy a medicine? I, I grew up, so I thought that education for all, it's new, it's fairly new, though education for all is older than uh, med medical care for all, or health for all. If you're talking about the welfare state, most of the researcher talks about the beginning in Germany in the late 19th century. And La Salle. La Salle. No, before that, it's Bismarck. I, I, it's, it's, it's interesting because it's because the welfare state meant the equality was not was one of the aims of the welfare state. Quiet was, you know, like uh, that the people want to rebel. Uh, this is one of the interesting things that Bismarck, which that started with the some health for all and some other things for all, okay? Uh, what he wanted is that the people want to rebel. When you talk about the welfare state, a main um, um, period of the main uh, uh, welfare state, it's after, the, uh, after World War II, Second World War, and uh, it's connected to a guy named Beveridge, William Beveridge, which is from your nationality, a Brit. Beveridge was also not a socialist. He wasn't a socialist. He was in the labor for a very uh, short period of time, but he wasn't a socialist. What, what he wanted that the worker will be healthy and secure in order for them to work better. When he is talking about the welfare state in his very, very famous report was coming out during the war, the 41, the aim of the uh, report, of the very known Beveridge report, was to make some sense in the services the state is uh, giving to pools, to, to, to the pools. But uh, Beveridge took it to another level, and he says, if we want uh, efficiently, to, to be efficient, okay, uh, we have to give the workers some kind of security. They can't be worried about what will happen if they will be sick, if there will be the be problem with the children, what will be when they will, will be in the old age. So they have to be secure in order to be efficient. That's what the, the thing is. But it was brilliant because uh, the aim was not equality, but that's what happened. Equality, more equality. It's I'm not saying the... the and the base of this uh, system is healthcare for all, like in the United Kingdom, the, the Brits uh, celebrated 70 years of uh, national health of this summer, it's a year ago, approximately a year ago, in the last year, June. Healthcare for all, education for all, the things that we are not thinking about today, which are housing for all which was part of the of 
the program, public housing, not public, uh, how do you say it? Um, this program started in Britain just after the war, during the Labour uh, government, and it was very influential all over the world. And it was very, very influential in, in Israel. Well, let's hear about that. In terms of the creation and development of the welfare state here in Israel, how did it come about? The main tool of beverage main, uh, welfare state, not one of the main tools, but he, he is writing of it, is the main tool is the social security. For a state, just was... Uh, the independent was uh, uh, not so secure of the terms of Israel. Uh, a, a lot of uh, uh, economics problem, a lot of new immigrants. From the beginning, it was very clear that Israel had to have a social security system. And it was a struggle because there was no money as today, though not as today. The civil servants from the economics part of the government says, no, we can't afford it. We can't afford it. There's so much new immigrants that we can't afford, like, pension for the old people. People will come in the age of 64, and the end of 65, we will give them a How can we afford it? So it was a struggle. For the 19... Uh, 54, the world uh, social security system in Israel. It was narrower than in other places. In the beginning, there was no unemployment affair in Israel, and there was another problem with the system. When I'm t- um, uh, writing about the welfare state in Israel, I'm t- talking about welfare policies and some t- not welfare. State, because it it was struggling. It there's a were, there were a lot of problems, but it was from the beginning. It was very clear that we have to have uh, welfare policies, and we are struggling toward a welfare state. Uh-huh. It's interesting because the welfare state is this sort of general heading that doesn't specifically describe all the different policies that are inside that that some places have and some places don't and these policies can look more just they can look less just and we just use this term is there a welfare welfare state yes or no and it's a bit of a misnomer of a question because it's it's in the in the details but in the in all kinds of in the conflict in Israel, the question word was there a welfare state in Israel is a is a question that is raising from time to time, and no unemployment pension. It's one of the main people that are saying that there was no welfare state in Israel. Was talking about that. In if there's particular. no employment benefits, then there's no welfare state. And when did the employment benefits start in Israel? In the, in the, uh, the late 60s, beginning of the 70s. I, I want to say another thing because it's about the, the tools and the system. When Golda Meir, Golda Meir was the labor um, secretary in the first uh, government of Israel until uh, 56. 
and she she was the one that brought the the law of the social security to the Knesset to the Israeli Parliament. She said it's a good law, not just because it's just, but it will fight inflation because social security you have to pay in order to give to get something out of it. So it will be a less less money will be in the system, so it will fight inflation. I think it's it's interesting because in in the uh, in the parliament and makes and uh, with uh, all kind of uh, uh, crisis you have to uh, to explain that we have to have this system which is not just that uh, just it's it was very efficient it's both ideological and it's also pragmatic very pragmatic and practical if you see, and not just in Israel, all over the world, the 50s and 60s are a very good period for the economy. Not just, you know, for culture as well, but for the economics. There's a, a flourishing economics most part of the world. The gaps were narrowing in all kinds of, of areas, mostly economic. Yeah. Economics, but not all, not just that. Less and less uh, illiteracy, um, less and less, more and more education people, more and more academics. So it, it was a good period. How can you not appreciate what was done in Israel? You can say the 50s and 60s, a lot of problems. Uh, and a lot of injustice uh, between Ashkenazim and Mizrahi, Ashkenazi and Mizrahi, and the uh, Arab and Jews. But in this particular dimension, in Israel and in the world, how ca- can't you see that it was golden age? Maybe I'm exaggerating. Well, and, and you don't think it's a coincidence that those that was the golden age also of the welfare state in Israel? Yeah. That's yeah. the connection. And not, that just in Israel. not just in Israel. You can see it all over the world, the 50s and 60s. The state were, seems themselves as uh, responsible to the welfare, uh, the welfare of the people. Specifically and, talking about the developed world. Yeah, mostly. Mostly. But not just, you know. There uh, the were some, what was called then, third uh, world states. Started in some kind of welfare policies. Okay, well, let's jump to today. After the golden age, it's been chipped, chipped away over the years. I want to ask you what still exists today, what's been dismantled, putting Israel in comparison to other countries, the other OECD countries, in terms of where it's at with its welfare state compared to the USA. Where are we today? Um, I, I first have to say I don't want to compare to, to the United States. It's hard for me, uh, mainly because of the uh, health uh, system. Private health system is not logical in any and in, in, in any mind, I think, but we'll put it on the side because okay. it's not uh, the. There is 
slowly and sometimes not slowly uh, decrease in wealth uh, all over the world. I think in Israel, maybe it was uh, faster than other places. And it started in the 70s, mainly in the end of the 70s. And it's become more and more clear to the eye uh, from the 90s and in, I think, the last 20 years. So more and more things that were in the uh, first in the in the hands of the government and then in the responsibility of the government were given, you know, sold, but mainly given to private hands. In Israel, even uh, the roads now are the company that builds the roads is private. It has private. Roads. And there's a struggle to privatize the uh, train uh, company, which you know from um, Britain how how important it is to privatize the train. We go. We don't want the trains to come on time and to be uh, efficient and secure. It's not good for us as a user of the train or the citizens. We want to help the owners line their pockets as well. Yeah, it's very important for us. As, as a state, that rich will rich people will be rich. Not if you can see it in Israel from the end of the seventies when uh, Begin became the, the Likud party uh, came into power. They started very slowly in very small step to privatize all kind of, you know, first years it was companies like state companies not very important, not, and we couldn't feel it in, in the beginning. And then it became more and more significant in our life because a, a, a big chunks of our life became more and more at the beginning. The system of privatization is in the beginning, the less and less budget to services and things you need, like in the, in the train company in Israel today. There's less and less budget to the, the train uh, company. So there's a lot of troubles. And, uh, and so everybody is saying, oh, the government can manage it and let's uh, 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 give it to uh, some efficient capitalist that will manage it well. But that, that is the system. And when it's like companies, of, it's, it's not so important, but it's, gradually become, you know, like uh, companies that are dealing with uh, ad- adoptions, things like that, and caring for, as we talked in the beginning of our talk, uh, in the beginning, uh, it's privatizing those uh, services to uh, uh, youth that is in, uh, that uh, have uh, suffering from abuse at home. It's, uh, you know, privatization of mental health uh, patients. You know that. There's uh, houses. The private hospitals. Uh, uh, not uh, hospitals, but uh, um, houses in the community for healthcare patient or health, uh, I'm sorry, um, mental health health, uh, patient or mental health uh, uh, recovering. So uh, most of it, I think all of it is privatized. And I'm not so uh, talking about uh, companies that are not for 
profit, non-profit organization. I'm talking about companies that are run for profit. I have a friend of mine from the Kibbutz that manage a house uh, uh, to uh, uh, health, uh, the two uh, mental health uh, patients, uh, uh, house in the community. There was a guy that managed it is, as it was his company, and he struggled to have a profit from it. Astounding. So uh, the thing is, and uh, if I go back, it's not just that I think it's not just. It's not working. You can see that those kind of things are breaking apart, and it's not working. And uh, in the end, if you uh, if you are looking at in the end, it costs more money. When you're private and those things, if you uh, think about healthcare, which is I think uh, easier to talk about that. Uh, not just because health is something that is, it's not private. Health is not private. Illness is something that we, uh, uh, disease, it's something that uh, we are sharing. If we want it, if we don't want. Uh, but not just that. You can see that the, uh, it, when healthcare is run for the profit, so we'll not do. Uh, all kind of uh, treatment uh, in when you are young and then when you're old you have to pay more for treatment to correct the thing that you didn't know uh, do when you were young uh, you uh, sometimes you don't go to uh, all kind of uh, um, checkout checkups checkups i'm sorry if, if you think about it logically, not from the point of view of me as a, as a socialist, the world first state works. Okay, it works. It was, it's made people secure. As Beveridge was saying, he was a smart person. He, was a, he said the people will be secure. They will work better. And that's what happened. They worked better. They worked better than they produce more, which is not so good today, but we can talk about it in another place, but they produce more, they worked more, they thought more, they were innovating. Because when you have, it's not the time, when you have the place in your heart to think about what can I do better, you, you will do it. And if all this, all your time and all your energy is going to to, uh, to the question, what will I do if my wife will be ill and uh, we have just one salary? No, it's not also. And nobody will take care of the house. You can, or if a woman says, if my husband will dead, I will have nothing. That's because of the pay gap. You know, another thing. You can't can't be efficient, you can be innovative, you can't be, it's not good for the economics. Not good, I'm not talking about the people, the society, it's not good to the economy. Before we get on to next, I want to ask you if there's a, if you can give me a couple of examples of things that you think that you're proud of in terms of uh, policies here that you think is progressive and maybe sets Israel apart from other places, and maybe a couple of things that really, really 
upsets you and annoys you and thinks that we really should be doing better at? Do you talk about today or yeah, today, today, today? It's very hard for me today to talk about things that I'm proud of in Israel. But it's just because we are now between government and the next government is talked to uh, to uh, narrowing the uh, right to uh, strike, uh, not to a, a, a no level, but uh, yeah, uh, but very narrowing the, the, the right to strike. And it's very hard for me. It's, uh, it's painting my words to, uh, just right now because uh, it's one of the most important power of the people. It's the power to say, no more, I won't do that. And not to do it as a person, as a one, as an individual, to do it as a society, to say, uh, as a company, as a union, and to say, I can't work like that. It's not because I'm lazy, it's because it's not good. It's not good for me, it's not good to the company, to the, to the community, to the company as well. Uh, so, it's very hard for me. In my research, what I am finding, because it, I, it's a research, a research in progress, that the Israeli welfare, welfare policies were more feminist than others in the world. Not all of them, but if you uh, compare it to Britain, of course, but others as well. The, there was a thinking about the power of women as a working person part of the working force and a force not just as a, as a force, as a power, uh, was part of the Israeli welfare state. And you can say it's because of economics, they needed the working hands, but it was not just that. There, were more, there was more power to women in comparison to today, in comparison to other. Give me an example of that. It's in comparison, okay? Yeah. In the British welfare state, a married, a married a, a woman lost her rights in the world, in the, uh, social, her, her social security rights and gained it through his, her husband. She could get it again, but it was lower. Because uh, Beverly says that, he, not sorry, he says that, but he, was, he wrote, wrote it, that uh, there's not a lot, uh, enough babies in uh, the world, not enough babies in uh, England between the wars, in the First and Second World War. So we want the uh, uh, women to be at home and to have children. Uh, that's the thing, that's what they have to do, and we have to support it through economics. And in Israel, it was not like that, okay? In Israel, Every person has his um, uh, rights in the social security, although there was a problem with some of the rights to women. And one of the uh, first things in Israeli social security was relief af after birth for 12 maternity weeks. Leave. What? Maternity leave, thank you. For 12 weeks, and uh, I think it was in the from the beginning 12 weeks, uh, maternity leave. It's a political problem, which I want to... Which is huge. In. 12 weeks Twelve weeks was massive back then, no? I think it was 12, maybe it was 10, but it was... I can't remember. I, it was not, you know, it, there were other places in the world uh, maternity leave 
and there was a maternity leave in um, agreements and, and um, uh, unions uh, were uh, going through um, to have maternity leave, but what that was through the state. It was a law of 12 weeks paid. It's not a vacation. It's not a vacation. <laughs> not at all. In the beginning, uh, Israel was more feminist than other places in the world. It's not there was um, gender equality here or something like that. But uh, power of women was part of what people thought about. Uh, politi politicians, not people, the, someone in the street, but politicians thought about uh, the power of people in the world, were struggle about it. Uh, some of the welfare law, a lot of the welfare law thought about women and their places, place, and not just their place in the world, uh, 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 their place in the in the workplace or in society, their power, their independence, their uh, ability to uh, to be active in the in the society. Whereas in other places it was ignored or downplayed or... It was not downplayed or played in other ways. Because, you know, in the Beverage Report, he's work, he's, he wrote something that is uh, revolutionary even today. Housework is a house, is a work. The, 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 you know, the work of the housewife or the work of the one it's doing it's what we call in feminism the unseen work or the, uh, it, it's, it's work and uh, women have to be acknowledged uh, not paid but um, I can't remember what you word but what his word was but uh, it, it's work and you, you have to recognize it as work it's something that women are doing to the society for the society the invisible work You've painted a picture of a creaking. No, I, I, it's 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 hard for me that I can't say something that I am proud of in Israel. So I have to think about that. I am proud in Israel, and I think there's strong society here, and I'm thankful for things that there is a notion in Israel that the state is responsible for the citizens, and even more than that, for the inhabitants of these states. There is a sense of that in the society. When there are some steps of privatization of some services, people are raising their head and say, it can't be. They're struggling about the drains company and about as we said about uh, the caring for children and youth and they are struggling here uh, right now for education free education from birth which is very important it's not logical that a free education is starting from the age of three but from birth to the age of three it's very important the education is very important uh, important to the uh, rest of your life the concept of free education from from birth does struggling here, and I think the beginning of law about it, about but in Israel, it's not just in Israel. Education from birth to three years old, it's not part of the education system. It's part of the work system. It's it's like a babysitter for women that 
they could go to work. And it's struggled here to see it as part of the education and move it from the labor ministry to the education ministry. Yeah, it's such a strange thing that education up to the age of three sits in the labor ministry and education above there sits in the education ministry. It's not the labor, it's the labor ministry or maybe the welfare ministry, uh, but it's now together. Industry, I think it is, isn't it? Something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's right, but it's not just in Israel, you know. We are living in Israel. But the concept that until the age of three, all the young uh, children needed the babysitter. It's uh, just to care for their you know, security, which is very important. I don't say so. But what about education? And now we know that this age is so important. It's so important. I have to say the part of it that the women, and it's mostly women, that are taking care of the young children, the babies and young children, are paying the lowest salary in, in, in the, the lowest that you can, the minimum salary in the law. And you said, in, in, in the rhetoric, you say, the children, the children are so important, are the most important things in our life. And we say as persons, parents and so on, and so on, and we say it as a society. But we pay those women the, the lowest salary we can. The government is paying them the lowest, and part of them, some of them that are working at home, no care for children at the home, they have no vacation. They can't take the day off if they are ill. It's nothing. There's a struggle for, and I'm, I'm proud that in Israel there's a coalition of organizations that are fighting for that, for the education of children from, from birth to three, to three years old. And it's no coincidence there's people like your Urban Key Books and my Urban Key Books that are running preschools, that are paying fair wages, that are you know, for, for exactly for that purpose. Yeah, but I don't think it's fair. It's not fair. It, no, because higher than other places. Yeah, but I think it's, it ought to be this um, researchers. It is, uh, I can't remember her name. She's Brits, and she's talking about the um, market failure. The failure of the market? If you talk about gender, gender is failing the market because you pay uh, those women that is, are very important to the society and for the economics. Because uh, what happened in the, in, in the young ages, what happened later in life, it's connected to what happened later in life. And we're paying them so low and we're paying like uh, finance uh, managers so high. We pay our kibbutz, your kibbutz, my kibbutz, are paying better than uh, in other places. But it's still low salary in comparison to other, uh, other salaries. All right, let's talk about going forward. I'm wondering where it's all going, what's going to happen. And maybe even if you're optimistic or you're sitting there saying it's only going to get worse, what's going to happen? 
I have a problem. I'm always optimistic. It's a great problem to have. Yeah, it's not, you know, so typical to socialists to be always optimistic. Not socialist in the 21st century, because socialists in the 20th century and the 19th century were very optimistic. I think we are in, uh, in, the t in time that the system can't, can't, it's not working. So something has to happen. And this something, we, we are responsible that the something, the new something that has to happen uh, will be better, will be just, will be thinking from, I will quote from, for the many, not the few. Sorry if I'm, I'm using a um, slogan from the election, the last election in Britain, but I think it, it's a very good uh, uh, slogan. And it's our responsibility. You can see all around the world that the system are starting to not collapse, but weakening uh, economic uh, system. It's not working. We can go into uh, oblivious, I don't know, to nothing. It's in our hands and can, we can do it. And welfare state of the 50s had a lot of problems and a lot of weaknesses. Mostly, it didn't see the ver variety of people. It didn't see even, even men and women, the needs of women in society, the power of women, the, the need to give more freedom, more power to women in society. But didn't see homosexual, lesbians, and queers, didn't see other cultures that are not European, as a, you know, as a family name, not as a, and we can fix it. We, we have the tools to fix welfare state in order to it to be, uh, to touch people, service people, uh, and not damage the culture, not uh, challenge the identity in the place, uh, their identity, not their identity, their identity in the places that not not need to be challenged. You don't have to. The welfare state, the fifties and sixties welfare states, as straight line, and you have to be in the line in order to benefit from the welfare state. We have to remember that that we are not living between two lines. We are more than that. And if we will struggle to welfare state, the since people as a whole and can be universal on a universal basic, but serve uh, the differences between people. We are on a good. We 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 are on the way to a better society. You can you can see it around the world. And, um, in Israel, we are just maybe in the beginning. I hope in the beginning. But you can see Bernie Sanders, and you can see Alexandria Cortez. They have wonderful ideas of what we can do better. Not better from our private society today, better than what we did in the 50s and the 60s. Because we have to think about it like that. We have to be better than in the 50s and the 60s because this golden age that I talked about 
uh, was not a golden age to some people, and we have to include all in order for it to work. Mm-hmm. We have a job to do. We also have a job to do to make sure that it, the leaders are the leaders that are going to help to take us there. And we also have a job to do to fight for what's what we want now and change the reality and not just leave it to the politicians because they all too often fail us. Yeah, we have to do to work from below and from uh, uh, from above. I'm hopeful. I have to say why I'm hopeful, though I know it will be maybe you no, know, maybe odd or maybe superficial. I don't know, but. I think people today are reaching for ideology. They want and politics. Uh, parties that have no ideology, that are like neither that nor that and say nothing, are weakening in the world and in Israel as well. In order to fight the problem that uh, we have today, we have to be very clear of the future that we are drawing, that we are picturing. This is the time for true ideological parties that say that what we want. We want equality, we want freedom, that we have to be responsible for one another, and the community is very important. Gilly, on that note, I want to thank you so, so much for this conversation. It was fascinating. Thank you. I enjoyed it very much. I have to say, I'm always enjoying talking to you and talking about Welfare State. Great, great. And happy May Day. Happy May Day to you as well. Bye. Bye.